If I got to hear this is the big bopper speaking one more time, someone's going to die. I don't know that. <laughs> That's for the best. It sounds really funny, though. It is the first time. This is the big bopper speaking. <laughs> oh, this thing? Oh, God. <laughs> Shut it up. Shut it. Turn it off. <laughs> I hate you. Uncle, you're funny. No, right now, Uncle. Hello, baby. Uncle's going to kill Mike the next time he sees him. (laughs) Uncle's going to throw Mike in a river. (laughs) Oh, God. This is what I get for sharing with you. Ugh. Seriously, dude, turn that off. (laughs) (laughs) God. There's only maybe like one thing worse that could be played. And I'm not going to tell you what that is. Just tell me. No. I'm not going to play it. What is it? You're totally going to play it. No, I won't. The Sound of Music. Oh, really? I hate that movie. Why? It's the first movie I ever hated. Why? I don't even fully remember. I just remember, like, being made to watch it at some point in middle school and hating every minute of it. Hmm. Like, by the time you got to that woman running around in the field talking about the hills are alive, I just wanted to run out of the class. This is what I get for trusting you. I'm glad I'm recording this. It's off. I have proof. I have proof you like tormenting me. Anytime you think I'm being paranoid or I'm accusing you of some shit, I got this shit archived. caught me in the middle of a conversation. Welcome to another episode of Hyper 90's Zeitgeist Breakdown. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Jump Cables? <laughs> We're talking about America. We are! Uh, so, I didn't, Joe's in Texas. Uh, Making big moves. He is. Uh, <laughs> I hope his financial gain will be my financial gain. But yeah, anyway. I hope he scores. Yeah. In more ways than one. Yeah. We're pulling for you, buddy. Thumbs up, soldier. Yeah. So we're talking about America this week. 
Jumping Cables, what does America mean to you? Uh, a whole lot of conflicting shit. Red, white, and blue. Yeah. Doves flying in the background. And Captain Goddamn America. Yeah. <laughs> but really, we, you and I are both Americans. Yep. Yeah. Um, I wonder if anyone listening thought we were perhaps Canadian. I kind of doubt that. I, I don't know. I know the opposite happens a lot. People think Canadians are Americans? Uh, yeah. Well, rain- well, when you don't hear the noticeable accent, you just kind of default to America. Yeah. I guess my idea of America is... I don't know. Do you, well, do you think this is the greatest country on Earth? Um, no, but... Well, I was going to say no, but what is? But I hear a lot of good stuff about uh, Denmark. <laughs> Denmark. Hmm. I'm I am kind of into in that camp a little bit where I do say it is well I caveat it with saying it has the potential to be I was about to say right. like if there's any truth to that I could say this is the country with the most potential um we're kind of uh by default tackling the big issue which is uh how do we get along yeah <laughs> You know, there's little bits of crossover in various continents, but, like, we're nothing but crossover here. Yeah, so. we are. You put it all in the pot to stir it, and uh, some of it rises to the top, and some of it falls to the bottom. Some of it stagnates in the middle. Yeah. And at the top or the bottom, let's be yeah. fair. It's confusing, but out of all that shit, you know, we got all these... Cultures smashing together, and mm-hmm. and in some ways clashing, in other ways learning from each other and and growing and shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I don't know. What do you what do you what was it? Salad or the stew pot? Yeah, we used to have Both to read at the same time. We used to have to read the say the pledge of allegiance. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember. Uh... <laughs> I remember what I used to actually say when everyone else was singing the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. It's not exactly PC anymore. What did you say? Uh, do forgive me any gay listeners, I'm <laughs> going to say a bad word. But know that I don't mean it. Uh, I remember it went, I pledge allegiance to the flag, Michael Jackson is a fag, Coca-Cola burned him up, and now he's drinking 7 up. <laughs> Whoa. Which which ain't even right because it wasn't Coca Cola that burnt him up. <laughs> it was Pepsi. Oh yeah, it was Pepsi. Where did you hear that? Um uh, whatever school I went to for elementary, it was a. Uh, oh yeah, this was the Catholic school. But you see that right there? Even just that little story you told, that is America. All yeah. parts of it. It's even where you're like, I'm going to say a bad word. It's like back then, I was thinking about that today, you know. Well, you didn't know it was a bad word, though. If you were, I don't know if everyone, if this is an aspect of sensitivity or what. I remember that word sounding rough. Yeah. Long before I knew what it like meant and what it was used for. Yeah. We used to say gay a lot in high school. And, and yeah. nowadays, it's 
not even just being kind of offensive. It's just like uh, it doesn't really make sense to say that. Yeah. But uh, we've come a long way in the past, what, twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can say that every year about America. I want, yeah, I want to say every generation does, but maybe that's maybe that's past a certain point. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, there's all this, you know. Even just being a an almost thirty year old man today, or in your case, a thirty year old man. Well, oh, don't remind <laughs> me. Yeah, you know, you run into shit like, and it is speeding up and changing. Like being on Facebook, you're exposed to a lot more ideas every day than you mm-hmm. were ten years ago, and yeah. a lot of it's confusing if you're old. Then you, yeah, it's it's only gonna, <laughs> and the sad thing is realizing it's only gonna get worse. Yeah. Well, in a sense, better, but like worse for us, where we may like trip and fall into some yeah. shit we had absolutely no intention of being in. Like, um, kids, go easy on your parents. <laughs> if there are younger people listening, they may seem like they're out of touch and they don't get it. I'm sure they're trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we're old. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, Captain America. What did we watch? We watched a lot. Uh, yeah. I didn't do the extra credit. Yeah. It's been weird, the time. But, uh, the basic stuff, which was the, uh, the 60s cartoon, mm-hmm. the 90s film, and First Avenger. Yeah. Uh, I watched a little bit more. I watched The Winter Soldier again. Mm-hmm. Uh... And I've seen all this stuff. Uh, Winter Soldier, I just kind of... I was in the mood, so I had to do it, because it's one of my favorite movies, actually, of all time. It's good. It's really good. Um, um, First Avenger's pretty good. Cap's weird in regards to these movies, where it's like... I never just feel the urge to watch his movies, and I kind of had to wind myself up to like sit myself down for it, but like the moment I started first Avenger I want to say like 20 minutes in I'm like this is awesome why Why did I why didn't I want to watch this that's the same like feeling I had the second time I watched it because I saw it in the theater and I was like alright okay that was fine and then going back to it I was just like this is fucking adorable mm-hmm. like, it's such a cute little movie yeah it's got heart uh it's and it, it it feels like a a perfect amalgam of now and then in regards to cinema, at least to me. Yeah, it has this. I was happy. I always, I love period pieces, so I love history, mm-hmm. and I was really happy that that whole movie was period piece. Uh, yeah. You see, uh, in the '90s film, they didn't go that route. Uh, that was that's the worst part of it for me is that like that first half hour feels like it's going in fast forward, and not just like the events going on, but like even Red Skull's dialogue. <laughs> it's like he's trying to cram way too much in that amount of time. <laughs> you mean an intro? Well, I, rewatching it again, I realized that he's kind of just speaking a lot of gibberish, uh, which is actually a really strange, subtle thing that they did there. And in mm-hmm. the nineteen ninety in the nineteen ninety film, uh, he's actually like learning to speak English during his first encounter with Captain America. 
<laughs> and then you fast forward 50 years ago, and he's pretty fluent, but he's he's talking about, he's like choking Cap out, and he's like, where is the pen of my aunt? The pen of my aunt is on the table. And Yeah, I didn't understand what that was about. Yeah. I, I realized what was happening the second time I watched it. I was like, oh, he's, he really is practicing his English, which is actually kind of disturbing in a way. Well, yeah, that it's it's that that easy for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just like him saying that as he's like beating the shit out of him. Yeah. Uh, I actually found him to be kind of uh, more sinister than Hugo Weaving's Red Skull. Well, anytime someone's like joking and goofy and whether there's a real disconnect between like the violent and brutal acts he's committing and how he's, like, reacting to it. Yeah. But I just mean, like, in general, he's, like... Like, Hugo's kind of... He's the kind of classic, uh, you know... Very serious, very... He's a Nazi uh, commander, and he's the villain. Yeah. This guy was really sleazy. Yeah, creepy. Yeah. I mean, he had that slick... Like, you you don't know what he's gonna do. Whereas I think, like, you can usually anticipate what uh, um, Hugo Weaving's Red Skull is going to do. It's bad. It's something you don't want. Yeah. But, like, you'll you'll see the knife, the, the gun, the whatever, the thing that's going to kill you coming. Yeah. Scott Poland played this Red Skull. I know. And just something about the way, you know, the scene where they're talking a little mm-hmm. later, where he's got all the... The string pullers in his fucking castle, and he's like, "Oh, he's talking about the king job costs yeah. us three hundred million." Yeah, and then you find out what the king job was. Yeah, like, and they killed JFK and shit. God, yeah. yeah, just so casually, and just also the insidiousness of him realizing he's like, "We don't do assassination anymore. Oh, we get our martyrs and and uh, saints. yeah." That- he makes them heroes. Yeah, I just, and it's like, nope. I gotta, I gotta give them a villain. I mean, arguably the best part of that film. Uh, and I also like that they gave him. It opens with like this weird tragic backstory for him. Yeah, which might explain, uh, even, maybe even more than he knows, just why he gives so little of a fuck. Oh yeah. About Anything exactly, and we didn't. We don't get that with Hugo's Red Skull. Yeah, well, there's, there's not a, there's really nothing humanizing that Red Skull. Yeah, no. <laughs> Which I think, I think is probably uh, truer to the comic book. I think of the comic book, uh, they don't say outright, but he's a uh, more or less a sociopath. Yeah. Well, I did a little research. Well, yeah. So actually, so we watched some of this nineteen. Uh, 19- 60s cartoon. Uh, but let me back up a second. What's your first exposure to Captain America? First exposure to Captain America is the Captain America and the Avengers video game. The version I played was on the Genesis. Mm. That may have been... Oh, when the fuck did that come out? I gotta look. I know, this was, this was early 90s when I was playing that shit. Uh, I know I played in the arcade. Oh, this came out uh, in 1991. 
Yep. Yeah. That was my shit. Me and my cousin cousins, I should say, used to, used to play that shit just nonstop. Yeah, it's mine too. I was actually playing it a little while ago at my uncle's house. I found a, a copy of it oh, at like nice. a gift store somewhere on the SNES, and uh, my uncle still has his in his living room. But yeah, so I don't know exactly when I was first exposed, but I know I always loved Cap, and I don't know why. I think it was the Shield. It's funny, I didn't really like Cap until another video game instance. Um, <laughs> a, a really intense game of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 with uh, with Ed. And it was weird, he was playing Cap, and I we kind of inverted our usual dynamic. He picked a team of heroes, I picked a team of villains. I blow through his Avengers, leaving only Cap. All my villains are injured. But it's still three on one. And he manages to, like, blow through all but Doom in the most heroic way possible. And it, like, ends with me trying to shoot him and him doing the ultimate charging star <laughs> through the projectile and hitting Doom. <laughs> and then he did, like, the dove pose. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't realize how awesome this guy was. <laughs> That's and, um, like, the seed that was planted, which kind of, like, Something that kind of came up before it that put Cap in my head and kind of bloomed when this scene occurred was uh, it's like a it's like a uh, some sort of like top ten thing in Wizard. It was like uh, I, just big moments for certain I characters. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I've been thinking about this for the past. Yeah, month, but go ahead. And they're talking about all the, you know. They're going through different characters. Like there was like this set me up to like find a bunch of different books like I remember uh, one was uh, a line from Gordon uh, Gordon Gordon in The Killing Joke and I was like wow uh, another one was uh, <laughs> Cap I don't know if this would be spoilers or not suffice to say he's looking the apocalypse dead in the face and basically tells it you ain't shit but uh, I, I don't want to go into detail for fear that it oh, might no, go be. into detail I don't care about spoilers right. or anything well, it's poten- I don't know for certain, but potential MCU spoilers. Uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Thanos has basically made the universe his bitch, and uh, a number of characters are pretty much dead. And it's just Cap and him, and Thanos is like, what the fuck are you going to do? You don't even have real superpowers, and... Cap gets right into his face and says, "Yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin your shit right fucking now." <laughs> That's not what I was thinking of. So for me, uh, and this is a, it's a testament to Wizard because that in the '90s, especially, that formed more of my opinions about comics than me actually reading them. Probably, with the exception of maybe Spider-Man, because I obsessively like collect collected Spider-Man back in the day. Because I loved him, but Wizard would do you know top ten list casting calls and all this shit. The moment that I was actually thinking of was it was some other top ten moment, and it was I guess Cap had been tracking down I think it was a werewolf or something, and mm-hmm. and he basically had to decapitate this werewolf with his shield, mm-hmm. and it had this there's this image of like a silhouette of like him raising his shield and just like slamming it down, mm-hmm. and the 
it made this big like chunk sound. I think there, there might have been blood or it might not, but it was it was a grisly image and it always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I think for me that was the moment where I kind of realized that uh, Cap was not really above getting his hands dirty when he needed to. Yeah. Um, what was it? The, one, the part that put that in perspective was actually, again, Wizard. It's a, a big multi-page article about uh, launching the Ultimate Avengers and talking about all the different takes on the characters. And when they were talking about Cap, there was like a small line somewhere that says... It's like it shows. I think it shows two costumes. One is the uh, war costume, and the other is the modern day. And it was basically saying, "Yeah, he uh, he's a soldier. Remember, Caps killed people." And that's one of the things I've noticed across all of this movie is it's not egregious, but if you're paying attention, like Cap does kill a lot of people. Oh yeah, he's icing people, but it's not it's not like pronounced. It's not cold blood. This is in battle. Yeah. In the heat of battle, yeah. It's for... And I was uh, watching something about the... It was a... Uh, I think it, the Russo brothers did a, a reaction to the Honest trailers. Like, they mm-hmm. actually came into the studio and watched it with the guys that made it. And mm-hmm. and they were talking about, like, there's a line in that Honest trailers where they're like, and Cap kicks a bunch of people... And then one of the one of the guys was talking about it was like, yeah, I, I was noticing that he was beating a lot of asses, and especially here in the beginning, the intro, you know, when he's mm-hmm. on the boat, he yeah. like just straight kicks someone like as hard as he can into the side of the boat, and they flip off and fall off the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I had the same realization when he's I think he's fighting someone, and he like disarms a knife from some guy. And he throws it back at the guy, and it sticks in his hand. Mm-hmm. For me, that was the moment where I was, oh, like it's this kind. This is how it is now. Yeah. Like, this is Cap. Like mm-hmm. fuck. Yep. But yeah. And it, You've seen some blood and some guts, and. <laughs> but I guess it it makes sense to uh since he 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 has his roots as you know like you were saying as a soldier back in. Mm-hmm. WW2. The Great War. Yeah. From what I've learned, I guess those uh those cartoons were pretty much direct motion comics of mm-hmm. actual comics that were out at the time. Yeah. And they're they're great, at least I think so. Yeah, well I mean, you know, animation's uh very limited, but uh it was a surprising yeah, surprisingly well done, more so in, like, the performances. Yeah. Like, uh, I want to say, I can't remember what the name of the episode was, but uh, where you have, like, the uh, crazed scientist with the metal hand. Oh, yeah. Like, that, 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 like, <laughs> dips into, like, tragedy and a labyrinth of emotion I was not expecting from a 60s cartoon. I know. It, see, it threw me off a little bit at first, and I was like, wow, that's really crazy. But then I was starting to realize it and then confirmed later that, yes, this is just directly pulled from what Stan was doing at the time with the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure where they took them from, if they took from, like, the old 40s book. Actually, no, they, they must not have. No. Because he had the well, round shield. 
Yeah, um, maybe. Well, yeah, if they're doing it directly, then not from the 40s book, but maybe those uh, stories that they pulled from were inspired by the 40s book. Because the 40s book is like, it's Mm proto-Marvel. It's It's not even Marvel. Right, it's timely. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, and it was interesting, because I thought about it watching this cartoon, and then I decided to look it up myself and finding out that, yeah, there was a point where Cap was just a World War II superhero. Like, is because for me, the storyline has always been the hero outside, like, displaced from his own time, yeah. the fish-out-of-water type thing. Yeah, no, he, he actually comes from them, and uh, there's a whole history of them. Stan, I guess, looking back and deciding to revive him and coming up mm-hmm. with this whole... I guess he had to... He went back and... Because the, the cartoon is, what I guess, what they were writing at the time. They pulled it because eventually it started. It was actually part of a larger Avengers cartoon, so it'd be like yeah, it was like a big programming block. Yeah, well, it was like one show with like seven minute shorts, and it would each one would have a hero, and then I guess eventually they built into having Avengers episodes. So all the, this stuff is on YouTube. You guys can watch it. It's really worth sitting through. But um, yeah, this is also a a big. You know, it's funny, my dad actually told me he used to run home from school to watch this. That's tight. Yeah, it's really cool. But uh, I had a VHS copy of this when I was a kid in the 90s. Uh, and I couldn't find it online. I, I, look, I was looking at, like, videographies, and apparently the VHS I had didn't exist. But mine was a specific tape of just Captain America. My exposure kind of... Somewhere around there, around the Genesis game and like Wizards, was where I had kind of. Because I remember as a kid, I really wanted to be Cap for Halloween, and there were like no good Cap costumes. Well, even in the movies, they didn't. They didn't get a beat on that till First Avenger. <laughs> yeah, and even now they kind of are still struggling with that. I think it's pretty good now. Well, it is, but you could tell they're never says it's it changes every single movie. Yeah. And they work that's true. as hard as they can to as quick as they can in every movie they get him out of that helmet. Uh, well, they at least put him back in the damn thing. <laughs> hey, what do you think Cap stands for? Um, American ideal. Granted, um I kind of wonder if that sort of change, I'm not really sure if that changes with the times or what, but that's kind of like, that's really going to be put on display in this next movie coming up. Um, I don't think... Oh, it's somewhere between, free, somewhere in the area of freedom. I'm like, I'm kind of curious, like, I kind of wonder where he'd stand on the whole Snowden thing. Uh, well, we know where he stands. It's bad. He destroyed an entire government agency. And the Winter Soldier. That's yeah, but that's because it was being... Well, yeah, but there was also like a... But yeah, uh, we know where he stands. Uh, even before all that shit happens, when Fury takes him in the room, and he's like, we're keeping tabs on anybody, or on everybody, and we're going to neutralize threats before they happen. And he straight mm-hmm. up says, this isn't freedom, this is fear. So he doesn't like the... the the government's spying on people. He's not a fan of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. Granted, 
some of what was going on there was tied to a digitally preserved Nazi. Well, it was, but it, it wasn't their idea. They took it. That's the the that's the issue of today, right? It's what if the wrong party gets a hold of all this information and decides to do something terrible with it, and that's the plot of this fantastical superhero movie. But it it is very much a post nine eleven post NSA film. Yeah. I I think Cap does stand for you know you. I think a lot of people are like, oh, he stands for good old-fashioned American values. They kind of write him off as just kind of jingoism. I initially did. Right. A lot of people did. Um, And I think Cap has always kind of stood up for and even represented the little guy, right? Yeah. Well, he was the little guy. Yeah, he was. But even, like, as Captain America, he doesn't stand up. Uh, for the little guy, because he was one. He did that even before he was Cap. Well, yeah, he tried. Yeah, he tried. <laughs> Bless his heart. Yeah, in the first Avenger. So there's that great line where uh, the the scientist, he's, he's, he asks him, he says, so you want to go overseas and kill Nazis? He says, I don't want to kill anyone. I just don't like bullies. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the whole... That is Cap. Yeah. He he stands for doing the right thing, even if it puts him at odds with what the country's doing. Yeah. More about representing the spirit of the country than, at times, even the country itself. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where... Because if you look at all the stuff that we watched, it's all... It eventually all turns into this man-out-of-time story, right? Mm-hmm. The cartoon, he comes back, and it's the 60s. He's like, where are all these cars and shit? Yeah. Uh, I think in the comics, they you know, came out during the Vietnam War and stuff, and they did some just mm-hmm. stuff there. And then in the 1990 film, he comes out, and it's the 90s. Yeah. They don't really touch on... Well, I guess they do. They talk a little bit about environmentalism. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that was like that's the big issue. Is uh, that was like the campaign that he uh, the that president was elected on, and this uh, the villainous cabal is actively trying to thwart thwart it, I should say. Yeah, and it's not very clear that that's what's happening. Like at the end, you're kind of like, oh right, <laughs> they kind of do a VO of, of a news reporter going, and the world. Nations came together and signed this environmentalist bill. And the mm-hmm. president wants to thank Captain America. Yeah. The first time I ever picked up like a series of Cap comics was probably the Ed Brubaker stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really, you know, p- post 9-11. And he brought Bucky back. Uh, yeah. I had heard what they were doing with the uh, with Bucky. And it sounded interesting. I picked it up, and it was like, oh. And then you see it in the film as well. Yeah. Where they pull this man out of time business. I feel like... I don't know if it's just, just all the masters to serve with the MCU, but, like, they don't get that into it. Like, I feel like the 90s movie kind of, like, addressed more of it. Like, the man out of time business? Yeah, well, then, like... Specifically, Cap's ca- Cap kind of coming to terms with it. Yeah. Kind of wrestling with it, like, 
that montage they had in it, like, it, it had a lot of emotion in it, in spite of there not actually a whole lot going on there. Yeah, it did. Uh, that's one of the things I noticed, too. <laughs> they spent a lot of time on that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he gets picked up by the president's best friend <laughs> in a truck. Yeah. And he's you know, talking about all these, you know, JFK and all this other shit. And he's like, what are you talking about? Him really adjusting. I feel like they recognized it in the MCU, like the Russo brothers, and then put that shit in the Winter Soldier. Because some, yeah. some of the beats are, like, pretty spot on, like, this girl Bernie in mm-hmm. uh in the 90s film uh is basically the same character as uh Peggy Car- Carter. Peggy Carter, Agent Carter. Yeah. And uh and they kind of have similar moments. Uh mm-hmm. where she just straight up gets iced in the 90s film. Yeah. Uh I guess it's a little heartbreaking. Um yeah, if if you weren't trying, if that, maybe if the movie had another half hour to it, you could. There'd be time to get attached. Yeah, because they really don't. They, before he, we barely knew her. Yeah, before he leaves, she's just like, "I love you. I'll wait for you forever." And then the next time we see her, she's old. But still, they they do take their time a little bit there. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's it's pretty heartbreaking what they did in the Winter Soldier, where you. She's old in bed, and they have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you see her sort of snap to again, or backwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, see him for the first time again, and you realize she has Alzheimer's. Yeah. And that, that really, like, hammers home, like, I had a life, and it's not what it once was. And they do a little bit of him going to see Bucky, going to see... Uh, Going to the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. Basically, looking, probably looking for the names of his men. Yeah. And, you know, just looking for something familiar. Um, speaking of Bucky, another thing that the uh, 60s cartoon kind of really, uh, really surprised me with is just, like, how much Bucky's death fucking haunted <laughs> Cap. Yeah. That shit had him fucked up. Yeah, he was completely fucked. Yeah, that always stuck with me as as canon because I saw it when I was a kid, and uh, apparently it's from the comics and it's true. Bucky falls off the back of a plane, right? Damn. Um, I don't I don't know how he died exactly. I never really knew. Well, they kind of go back over it in the in the cartoon where he's uh he's about uh, Cap tries to hang onto the plane and he falls off, and then Bucky's hanging on, and it either explodes or it sinks or some shit but mm-hmm. but yeah he loses his shit on a I don't know why Rick Jones thought it was a good idea to try on this guy's dead best friend's clothes I mean really just like fucking around in someone else's clothes without any sort of okays a little it's a little dicey that move was especially kind of yeah yeah like I don't know, Cap, I, I know I've read about this somewhere. I think they were just over sidekicks at the time, and they wanted to kill him off, so they did. Yeah, no Bucky in the 90s film. And that's kind of, I think, telling to the the comics landscape, because I don't know if you remember, but I always remember, and especially, you know, I think Wizard really hammered this home, 
was that, uh, you know, there's like three characters that that stay dead. You know, Uncle Ben, Gwen Stacy, and Bucky. Says something that two of those are in the same book. Yeah. Funny, and they pretty much stayed dead. Uh, Gwen has sort of come back. I think she's a different universe, but... Yeah, it's a different And universe. they've done, like, clones of her and shit, but she's pretty much stayed dead. I guess I'm proud of them for sticking to, to Uncle Ben. I think he's still dead. He kind of has to be dead, right? Yeah. Well, the whole... Well, actually, um... What was it? I think I read a What If where Uncle Ben survives. Actually, no, never mind, because I think Aunt May goes in that What If, so... Yeah. Somebody's got to go for Spider-Man to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, Bucky stayed dead, and I don't think anybody wanted to see Bucky ever again when this movie was made. Well, yeah, I remember um, a lot of jokes being cracked at Bucky's expense by Wizard. Oh, yeah, tons. (laughs) Just giving him all kinds of shit, and I was like, I didn't even know... Didn't know who they were talking. I think like the first instance of me figuring out Cap ever had a sidekick was this like uh, sort of montage panel in the uh, Marvel versus DC <laughs> uh, comic. They're kind of paralleling the similarities between Batman and Superman, and there's like a sort of like a um, not exactly shot. Basically, it's a shot of Cap punching someone and Bucky alongside him, and it's meant to parallel. Batman punching someone with Robin alongside of him. And I was like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. Who's this fake-ass Robin with a Tommy gun? What the... Yeah. I don't know. It's... I think it's one of the most brilliant character turnarounds in comics history. Mm -hmm. Uh, And props to Ed Brubaker for having the balls to actually do that. I want to say that's a very 90s extreme move. What? But, um... Bringing the goofy guy back is just like uber badass. Oh, it was definitely not 90s. That was like... Well, no, 90s extreme in the sense of like how he looks and that kind of turnaround sands the craziness. Mm. I know this wasn't in the 90s yeah, when it happened. Yeah. It just kind of smells of 90s extreme, sands the extreme. Mm. Yeah. Well, then how is it? If it... <laughs> the comical... I should put this, the comical element of extreme. I guess. I don't know. He Bucky stayed dead for like damn near sixty years. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a very long run and he he did it. He gave him this cool backstory where the Russians found him and experimented on him and he's actually again <laughs> in the comics we he's used to explain away uh and in the movie actually I think. He's explained as, you know, having been on the grassy knoll Responsible for for lots of assassinations. Yeah. Uh, and there's always this historical bent to Cap. Mm-hmm. Because because he's that man out of time. Yeah. He. But I don't know. One of the things I I feel. The Cap always kind of just he does he's an American ideal. He always kind of stays the same. He just you put him in the in new situations or new time periods and he's. He'll adapt, and he has a very clear sense of what he believes is right and right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's yeah, that's the appeal to him, though. It's almost uh, an additional superpower. Yeah, and he's... <laughs> it's funny, the farther, closer to the present you put him, the more stress you put him under. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> There's some... Uh, um, well, yeah, just, just like... It, it, I guess it's just a, a matter of, like, any time you reboot things. Because I want to say, if you look at Cap in the comic books, he, he at this point he may have been in the present day longer than he has been in the past. <laughs> like, he's, he's, just, he's just one of us now. He is. Yeah, pretty much. Whereas, like, any time you restart it in whatever era, you, like, increase the amount of time he's separated from from his world like he's he's in a he's in a like a technological wonderland now compared to where he was prior yeah that's kind of the great part about the character is you know when they did the rebooted him into the mcu they could Mm -hmm. still do that period piece and then they just jump ahead a little farther uh i really love chris evans as cap yeah, he he really does capture that. Um, I don't know, wholesome yeah. aspect to Cap's character. Wholesome ass white boy. Yeah, and he, you know, the more I think about it, I think that he kind of is Captain America too. I think so. I can realize he's just like this shy, nice boy. Yeah, really. Uh, he seems he seems pretty uh, late <laughs> and soft spoken. Yeah. Laughs a lot. Uh, yeah. I love him, but I, I don't know. What do you, so what do you think of Matt Salinger, son of JD? <laughs> uh, it's funny that he ended up in movies. <laughs> um, uh, a lot more intense, I guess. <laughs> like, he sells a bit more as uh, someone who's seen some shit. You think so? Which is weird. It's probably just like like the... I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just thinking about the stuff in that montage in particular, but he really looks a lot... He looks infinitely more stressed out a lot more of the time. I know what you mean. He's, uh... I don't know. There were certain shots where he would just be standing there and be like, this guy looks like a fucking monster. Like, he's just... Giant. I wouldn't... He's, I wouldn't say monster. He's just giant and misshapen, kind of. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um... Yeah, kind of. Well, I guess it makes sense. I mean, you consider... I mean, his formula was a bit improved over the Red Skulls, but, like, they both look kind of freakish. Yeah, he's just huge. He looks like Dolph Dolph Lundgren. If Dolph Lundgren had, like, a terrible hunch. Yeah. And Dolph Lundgren's kind of a scary-looking motherfucker. I mean, yeah, you want to talk about that, like... Ubermenchy ideal. I'm pretty <laughs> sure on top of being like massive and muscled and all that shit, he's got an uh, especially high IQ. Yeah, Cap is a. Uh, I think what you're picking up on is he's the same thing we were just talking about, where he has a lot more time where he's just adjusting and he's just kind of upset at his situation and doesn't really believe yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I, there's parts of it I like. Like I could, you could tell he's like an amateur actor. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I do get, I feel the same kind of like innocence from him that Chris Evans gives off. Yeah, that. there's a. I feel like there's a bit more grit to him, but it's still there. Yeah, and Chris, he's really doing good things with that character. I think 
Especially mm-hmm. if you look at the arc from from him at the beginning of First Avenger to the end of the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. you really get the sense that this is a person who is starting to get hardened and be a little more skeptical skeptical about about who he trusts, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially when it comes to you know, the people giving him orders. Uh, and it's really starting to blow up, and they've done a good job of showing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of how they've done it with Age of Ultron or any of the other movies, like him specifically, his character—you you can see it's building the this mistrust between him and anyone who's giving him orders. Yeah, sort of an uneasiness. Like you'll see him trying to take in a bit more than the soldier probably would. Just by virtue of that, it's okay, why am I really here? And, uh, you know, and that, all of that builds up really well towards Civil War. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I was originally thinking that Civil War should be an Avengers movie. Yeah. But, uh, I'm glad that it's a cat movie, though. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Because, I mean, really, you could... Civil War could be just as much the centerpiece to the MCU as... Um, well, not so much now that they've been building up the Infinity Gauntlet, but I mean, just in regards to weight mm-hmm. and scope, it could be just as much the uh, centerpiece to it as the Infinity War. We'll see. We'll see. It certainly has had a ridiculous amount of... Well, it's just because it's like, oh, they're Civil War, like the shit's hitting they're the fighting. fan, you know? All this yeah. kind of... They were hinting at it with... Uh, you know, Age of Ultron a little bit, like, oh, cat. Yeah, you know. well, the groundwork got set in there. There's a little bit of different ideals at place, and, uh... But, I mean, it, it's also the fact, I mean, we talk about Cap's arc, but, um, Tony's had a, a pretty big one that is, like, since zigzagged two times due to, I guess, predominantly guilt over the events of Ultron. Yeah. I mean, like, the beginning of that was him, like, basically saying we've got to do more. Like, there's more we can do. We can not just, like, confront these problems as they're happening and have yeah. <laughs> the events of Avengers happening. We could stop this stuff before it even occurs, and unfortunately, you know... Yeah, they kind of have... If you look at both of their arcs, it's almost like they've... Not quite, but it's almost like they've started at opposite ends and are, like working towards each other, and then slowly pass mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. Uh, like, Cap is, you know, he started off, uh, he, you know, fighting Nazis, and this is right and wrong, as clear as day, and I'm going to mm-hmm. work for my government, and I'm going to trust them, and then he's starting to develop this distrust, and maybe realizing that, you know, you can't always work with this leash on you, whereas Tony's uh, kind of started off as this... And uh, He started in that gray. Yeah. That grimy-ass gray, where it's like, I'm just doing, you know, it's just a business, it's whatever, and then he gets to see firsthand how grimy that shit actually is, and starts moving, sort of kind of like, aligning his ego with good intentions, and... He's becoming more and more responsible, uh, and that's getting out of control, and maybe in some respects you could see that maybe Cap's getting out of control if he doesn't want to listen to the government. Well, yeah, they're both kind of veering off from, I guess, one good in pursuit of another good, and, you know, 
nothing. There, there is no. I guess there's no. There are ideals, but I guess those ideals in practice, everything's going to have a, a, a dark side to it, basically. And you're kind of seeing both uh, their light and darks, respectively, clashing in Civil War. Because yeah. they both have a point. Yeah. They both have a valid point. You think they're going to kill him? I don't think they will. I don't... See, it's weird. Like, coming into this, I've been more thinking they're going to kill off Tony. I don't think so. <laughs> the trailers are kind of baiting into making us think that, like, Rhodey gets hurt or killed or something. Yeah. Which, I, I don't know that they would blat- so blatantly tell us that, that Worm was yeah, killed. I don't think so, and I think if that did happen, <laughs> there's a, like, there are, bigger changes are going to happen if Rhodey dies. <laughs> <laughs> and Cap or Tony doesn't. Like, that divide's going to stay if Rhodey gets killed. Yeah. Well, I think and the other two survive. I mean, I've been trying not to think about Civil War. I just want to go into it blank. But the more I think about it, the more I think about the relationships. And I and I didn't even want to know who's, who was on whose sides. But, you know, their whole, fu- their whole fucking poster is... Divided straight down, and it shows you who's on whose side. Well, yeah, even just just that that shot of the two sides running at. Like at first, I tried not to pay it any <laughs> mind, but then like the first thoughts in my head is like, okay, wait, one of these teams is really like underpowered, and I had to check. I mean, it, you know, we were talking about people starting somewhere and ending up in the opposite place. You look at uh, the Black Widow; she's. She was, you know, or she, she was with the Russians and she was spying for the Russians and she came to S.H.I.E.L.D. and ended up working with HYDRA and so, mm-hmm. and she's kind of disenfranchised from that whole thing, but she still yeah. bows to the government at the end of Winter Soldier, like she's in that hearing. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're not going to put us in jail because you need us. Uh, and she was with Cap that whole movie and now she's with Tony on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. So I guess you can see where that arc has led her, where she may be... And you know, the funny thing is, we don't even know what they're... Because in the comics, it was all about... It was mostly tied to identity and registration. Yeah, it was registration specifically. Yeah, all secret identities go bye-bye. Yeah, I think here it's more about, like, government. Well, yeah, because there aren't exactly secret identities here. Yeah. So yeah, it was more. Um, they want to leash. Being a, yeah, being accountable right. to the government, and I mean, yeah, well, yeah, that just goes more into the, you know, validity on both sides. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah, and that's. I don't know. That's well. I mean, you just you have to look at the collateral damage here. It's almost an argument as old as time. Pretty much. Not as old as time, but as long as there have been a government... As long as there's been conflict and... Any... I mean, like, I mean, you even take this to, like, warring tribes yeah. and ancient civilizations, and I'm sure there's this element. You have this element of authority. You have the people who fight and the people who don't. They have to be held accountable to the people that mm-hmm. they're protecting. I think that's a line in one of... I can't remember who says it. I think Cap might say it in Winter Soldier. He's like, 
Somebody says that we have a responsibility to be accountable to the people that we're protecting. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that was in Batman v Superman. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. Where do you... What do you think? Do you think, in terms of the comics, are you pro-registration mm-hmm. or not? Um, pro-registration? See, that's the thing. and I guess it kind of comes back to... Uh, I'm rarely ever completely one way or the other, and it kind of comes back to my my only real fear with it is the information getting into the wrong hands. Which you know, super villains <laughs> getting a hold of this stuff. But other than that, um, yeah, because I mean, you can you can look at a guy like like the Cap and think, okay, what do we need this for? But then. You look at entities like uh, Punisher, and you're like, "Good, yeah, okay, maybe we do need some something to keep these fuckers in check." Um, I don't know. I uh, can't think of any huge names off the top of my head that we'd, re- you know, you'd really want to have monitored or something. I mean, oh no, well, well, here's another one. And even though this is this is Iron Man who was for this, uh, the I think they call it the armor, the, the armor wars. This is a big plot where um, I can't remember what happened, but some of Stark's techs got tech got in the hands of somebody, and I think they killed a kid or something like that. And basically, Tony went on went on the rampage, basically going after anyone who had that sort of uh, armored tech he created. Uh, hero, villain, it didn't matter. Mm. You know, like, these people, they're heroes, but they can be... They can get caught up in their own passions, get lost in the throes of rage, anger, whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, a crime of passion is a real thing for us, so it's obviously going to be a real thing for them, except they can create, you know, can... calamitous damage. Yeah. Like, like, imagine uh, Scarlet Witch losing her shit. You'd want to have uh, fail-safes in the case of something like that. I mean, it's it's present in other uh, comic books. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, I know in uh, X-Men, there were what were called the Xavier Protocols, which were information Xavier accumulated on how to take down yeah. any X-Men should they lose mm-hmm. their shit. Batman had something similar, yeah. and there was a story about that getting into the wrong hands. Yeah, you know, this is really... <laughs> I think it's, you know, you talk about the times changing, and that's mm. that's a big theme of Cap, but uh, it's funny that this Civil War thing and the registration, it, it feels so fresh and, and new, but it's, mm. you know, comics, it took them like 50 to 60, 70 years to get to a point where it, it made sense to do an arc like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it speaks to the world well, we live in. To some extent, X-Men's been telling this story the whole time. Yeah, I guess X-Men has been doing that for a while, but they've always been kind of a... Well, I mean, there was usually an analogy, or not an analogy, like a, like a real-world yeah. something alongside it. I mean... You talk about mutant registration, I mean, you think about Jim Crow, and... Yeah, exactly, but this is 
a little bit different where it's more like we have to keep tabs on our like how much power do we give the government what's you know etc <laughs> yeah or this is very much like a how far it's it's like a question of freedom versus I don't know why I can't articulate myself right now um freedom it's the the sort of freedom versus uh Safety, freedom protection type thing. And one of the, I think, elements that gets underlooked in that argument by and large is if you're going to take uh, the means to do it away from the people who would normally protect you, or if you're, uh, let's look at the uh, opposite extremes of having figures of authority, which is anarchy. Mm -hmm. In the case of anarchy, you got to do it, your neighbor's got to do it, this guy, that guy, everyone's got to do it. Which is to say, now you can't call the cops when someone tries to break in your house. Yeah. You've got to fight that guy off. You have to potentially kill him. Yeah. Which is something I don't want to do. But I mean, I don't know if that really comes into play here, but I feel like it's an element that tends to get overlooked. Like, you don't want to just take away options. Yeah. You want to have something, you want to have an alternative well, I think, in place. I think that's. I think they were touching on that in some of the trailers for Civil War, where mm-hmm. they were saying, I think uh, Ross is making the argument, like, you know, we have to have accountability and we need to go through the proper procedures, and Cap is basically on the side of, well, you know, we have to act. If I see a, a threat, I'm, I'm going to act. Yeah. I can't. I'm not going to wait yeah. for you to say it's okay. I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's basically, it seems like the government wants to control them like a it's their own police force or yeah like a super police know. but then there's the thing it's when you start getting into that territory then they become a, a like a, a political organization almost where it's like mm-hmm. what if we're sent to do something and they talk about that in the winter soldier too like compartmentalization uh, mm-hmm. in the beginning when fury sends cap to rescue the hostages but he also sends Black Widow to go and retrieve some information. He doesn't tell Cap that. Mm-hmm. So when they are under that authority, they they do have that potential to be fed shit, kept in the dark, and mm-hmm. used for yeah, you know, used basically. And well, you see where Cap's tired of that at the end of Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, what else was I gonna say? Uh, well, two things will uh, uh, veer off in another direction. Another comic which kind of touched on this was um, Watchmen. And Watchmen kind of tackled something that, like, once I realized it made me kind of horrified <laughs> over the thought of, like, superheroes existing, which is, I mean, they get sent to war. And they get sent to war to fight for us, which on the one hand is a comfort. We've got the you know we've got the living super weapons but on the other hand imagine if it was the alternative imagine if it wasn't captain america it was uh, i don't know captain ussr or whatever the fuck imagine having like a super powered entity turned on you yeah. in a time of war because it's one thing you have to keep in mind is if they're registered is this like a world registry or is this just in the US in which case when you have to be you know you have to do what the government tells you. 
what happens when they send the vision out <laughs> to Afghanistan. <laughs> they send Cap out to uh, Iraq. They send yeah, or even just you know Thor out to Syria, <laughs> <laughs> or even you know other countries that have their superpowers. Mm-hmm. And it's like even more of a it's like real life. Then you have uh, yeah. Well, then you're basically sending out living nukes. Yeah, exactly. I mean this. You know, the idea of being in control of something powerful mm-hmm. and disturbing and using it as a show, it's, and you know, Cap factors into that in real life as well yeah. as, like, Superman. You know, they were used as propaganda mm-hmm. pieces to rally, you know, troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of in the same way. I was talking with someone uh, the other day about this. He was... He was telling me what Superman represented to him, and he was talking about the, uh, the idea of the Ubermensch, you know, the opposite <laughs> of of what Nazi Germany was doing at the time. You know, mm-hmm. he's this prime specimen, but he's for us. You know, yeah, the idea of what Hitler was working toward, but turned good, mm-hmm. and that is what kind of what Cap was. You know? uh, yeah, and we see it in these stories. It's very, it's very complicated. Even when you go back to the original stuff, where you have this scientist who is working for the Nazis or the Italians, if you're watching the 1990 film, the Axis powers. <laughs> yeah, and they they come over to uh, America because they regret their decisions, and they, yeah, they want to use. They hated that they created this monster. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, something, I wanted to see if I'm not just reading too much into it, but it, it stood out to me that they had the Doctor be a woman in the 90s movie. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if uh, it has something, I don't know if they're trying to say something, but it, I would imagine it definitely had something to do with the war in the sense that, you know, when war is on, when you're in these desperate times, you're willing to overlook some stuff you might you might normally not. Yeah. Case in point, um, not only black soldiers, but even like black platoons in some cases. And not even just in that war. I remember I was uh, reading up about uh, basically life for black people post-slavery, and a lot of them distinguished themselves in the military. It's on the one hand, it's like, okay, they're sending us out because they don't want to send their white people out. On the other hand, they're running out of white people. Well, that too. But here, you learn a skill, you obtain some like degree of authority and you know, distinguish yourself in a way that black people really couldn't Yeah. back then. Yeah. I, I thought about that too. I didn't know why they made her a woman. But I kind of wonder if that may have had something to do with her signing on to this at first. Yeah. Like, you're finally the opportunity to distinguish myself. Yeah. And they normally write me off, but look what they have me doing. Yeah. It makes sense, but I don't know why. But, like, within the context of this is a 90s film, I wonder. It may have also just been for sympathy. Yeah, or just coincidence. Coincidence, too. But, uh, I uh, you touched on something interesting there. Because I was curious about that, too. But, uh, I actually finally sat down and watched uh, a little bit of Agent Carter today. And, uh, oh. have you seen it? Not yet. I've been kind of interested in it. Yeah, I was always really interested, and I 
I gotta watch a little bit more because I watched like the first episode and like a little bit of the second episode. But that was like right before this. Uh, it it's kind of I was a little disappointed because it it's very much like a TV show made for TV and it just moves incredibly quickly. Yeah, it's just cut so fast. Mm-hmm. There's no real time given to anything. It kind of falls into those traps where it's like we mentioned that I worry about where, like, we mention these other things that happen, but we don't really show any of that. Like, we, you know, we're not going to bring, like, all these bigger names onto the show, but... Um, but anyway, yeah. they... Actually, one of the girls on the show, uh, there's, like, a conversation at the beginning of the second episode, I think, where this girl was saying, yeah, she lost her job. It's, you know, it's, like, 1946. And she's, like, because she, she was a riveter. Uh, women were riveters working on yeah they, the men are back right Boom, they don't need us anymore right, exactly and she was just talking about like you know, yeah they fired me they, they let 10 other girls go because 10 GIs came back and I had to show this soldier how to rivet this boat and now I'm a waitress mm. <laughs> so yeah I know the war was yeah well like you know there's good and bad to damn near everything in this world, and that was uh, the one thing about that war is that you know there, there were the gaps that needed to be filled, and women women filled them uh, capably. Right, and kind of the the whole show is is kind of about that. It's mm-hmm. you, know, you mentioned like Black Folk, like Reconstruction mm-hmm. era. It is it's, it's sort of similar. Where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're done with that, and now, well, we don't need you here anymore. So yeah. even with Agent Carter, they kind of start off with her. She's still working for that agency, but mm-hmm. it's it's like they've given her the window seat. Oh yeah, totally. She's like they treat her like a secretary, Terry, even though she's not. Like they, mm-hmm. uh, which I was really. I did like that aspect where it's very much this very strong woman, but she is put into this time. It's very much head on addressing that this was a terrible time to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Expected to like know your place and like get slapped on the ass and be talked down to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you, you saw that a little bit in the first adventure, but yeah. Well, you saw somebody trying to initiate that, yeah. <laughs> getting checked. But, uh, yeah, she's uh, an interesting character. She got sort of shifted around. I don't know, did you notice her in the cartoon? She was there. Uh, not. I probably did when I first saw it, but I don't remember. They, Cap and Bucky, are, they show up at like a stage performance, and then uh, they beat the shit out of the performers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Backstage, and I think uh, she shows up. She doesn't show up again in the cartoon, but I think she was probably around more in the comic. She, someone takes her hostage, and I think she frees herself, like kicks his ass, and she's gonna leave. And Cap's like, "Who are you?" And she's like, "Why? All you need to know is I work for the government. You can just call me Agent 13." And she leaves. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, in the MCU, she got sort of. Uh, split up. Mm-hmm. So, she's Peggy Carter. 
back in the day, mm-hmm. and then they have her daughter. In the comics, I think they retconned her as a, I think they were sisters, Sharon and Peggy, and in the comics they changed it so okay. Sharon is her niece. Uh, I think in the mm-hmm. MCU it might be her daughter. Mm-hmm. But, but they do specifically at the end of the movie Scarlet Witch is like, or not Scarlet Witch, but uh, ScarJo is like, oh, you should give that a nurse a call. It's like, oh, the one guarding me. It's just like, yeah, her name's Sharon. Mm-hmm. Which, we do get these characters in a manner of speaking in the 90s film. <laughs> As a Bernie and Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what did you think of Sharon? She's pretty 90s. She's, uh... Very 90s, but very, like, 80s at the same time. <laughs> like, 80s. She, she's, she's like, the transition. Yeah, she's very Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. Um, it's weird. They kind of, like, gloss over. Oh, yeah, she speaks Italian. And, uh, seems pretty quick. It was kind of, it, it, I guess, a little unfortunate in the sense that it seemed like they were going to let her take her own vengeance but then had the damsel at the very end. Yeah. Then they also, they get a little dark with that, where she's like, she's like, I should finish you off quick. And then she's like, I want you to go slow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you, no, 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 it makes sense. I mean, it's a weird fucking movie. It is. It's strange. Um, a lot of superhero movies back then were really weird, and... What the conclusion I kind of came to is that um, not even so much the writing as much as like, well, kind of the writing in the sense that you really have to write around uh, the lack of special effects, like what you can do in the time period. But also, I think this was a point in time where the people making these movies didn't and weren't necessarily made to know the source material. No. Like, it's a one thing to kind of, like, you know, base the story on a specific comic book. But, you know, the the writer, the director, whatever, is going to inject something. Whereas, I think if... Ideally, both of those parts, but even just one of those parts knows what's going on. They know where they can bend, where they can... where they gotta go more movie in some ways, more comics in another what they can take from where when you do a movie based on another like another uh, medium other material whatever you kind of have to be master of two trades there in the sense that you got to know not only your trade making the movie but you got to know the trade you're pulling from the very least and know to kind of have a uh, and then now I'm at a loss for words here. Um, it's like having a, um, well, like case in point, when you know your trade and something goes wrong, you know how to work around it. You know how to build upon these things. Like if you're a repairman, there's a hole in the boat, you know, not only that you got to repair it, you know what you can repair it with. <laughs> And what you may need to repair it with, given what's going on, the specific situation. There's a lot of that not present in these older movies, which is why a lot of weird shit tends to happen. Like, uh, like the the biggest one for me is uh, 
Punisher on the not Punisher, sorry, uh, Captain America on a bicycle. Oh yeah, I think I remember my mom walking past when I was watching that one day and being like, "This is really stupid." Exactly. <laughs> or like um, another, I, I started trying to. There's uh, a great think analogy, of, by the way. You sounded like Teddy <laughs> Atlas. Teddy Atlas from Fight Night. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes when you're working on the boat. You gotta take your time and just patch it up and see where you are. And then get back in there and start swinging. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> wow. But yeah, cap on the bicycle. Yeah, or like um, that first Punisher movie they did, the one from 89. And for some reason, there's Yakuza abducted children and possibly the Punisher's long-lost sister? Like, yeah. Yeah. I remember Ernie Hudson was in it, but that's about it. (laughs) Or, um, I mean, look at that Batman movie where Batman's killing people left and right. (laughs) Which one? Uh, well, there's that guy he throws to his death in a one, and then there's the fat guy he attaches the dynamite to and throws in the sewer. Oh, yeah. Well... No spoilers for the. <laughs> uh, well, the, the, I'm talking. I'm talking about the um, blah, 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 Tim Burton yeah, movies. Yeah. yeah. But you mentioned Dolph Lundgren, and actually, fun <laughs> fact: he turned down Captain America to do that Punisher he, movie. That's weird, because he'd have been perfect for Cap. Really, you think so? Well, I mean, uh, uh, post serum Cap. Yeah. I mean, he he literally is what Cap turned into, like, in real life. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm just... He's just so... Like, Matt Salinger looks a lot like Dolph Lundgren. Mm. And I think they're just big, giant, ugly motherfuckers in my book. Just just big-ass Ubermenches. Yeah, I think... uh, I think Chris is, like, a really pretty man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he was always, like... Like, Cap was always... Just like devilishly handsome back in the day. Well, I want to say he's a lot more rugged back in the day. And that's just what you expected a man to look like. Yeah, not quite chiseled ass Dolph Lundgren, but like. Uh, like I think closer to Dolph than Chris. Oh, well, yeah. Granted, Chris kind of like appeals to modern sensibilities yeah. now. He's a, he's a eternal baby face. Yeah. He's still a little chiseled. Oh, yeah, well, no, he's, like, ripped. But he does, he's got that great American smile. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't know, just those, those Jack Kirby drawings, man. Mm-hmm. He's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, Red Skull in particular. Like, he's surprisingly animated for how limited that animation is. Yeah. Uh, they basically just scanned Jack I mean, I mean, in, in that cartoon, he was basically proto-Skullface. That cartoon is it's so limited, like, but it's so charming because it, it's it's weird. I feel like there was a resurgence recently of this type of thing, which was the motion comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I feel like it's I feel like it's kind of died down a little bit. But this really, there's not that much that they didn't do with it back then. Full voiceover is animated a little bit. Took like the prettiest artwork, mm-hmm. uh, and the voice acting's great. Yeah. The writing's on point because they just ripped it straight from Stan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, um, like, 
just considering everything, it, it's like I, I can see kids see why kids in the '60s would get as pumped for that as we did for our cartoons, for like the X Men cartoon yeah. and Spider Man and all that shit. Yeah, it is, and I mean, I don't know. It's you can really see the progression of it. Mm-hmm. It's because you look to the animation first, because that's where you can do everything, do anything. Yeah. And then you, like, you look at '66, and it's exciting, and there's all this intrigue, and it's, you know, you can have them flying around, and some of it is a little egregious. Like, there's a fight scene in one of those episodes that it's, it's kind of like a five-second loop on repeat for like 15 seconds. It's like, okay, yeah. I saw the same thing three times in a row. There, I think there's actually a cat movie that came out in like '79. Yeah. It's pretty bad. I think that was a straight to TV thing. I, there, I think there was two, and I saw one of them, where he's just got this big ass motorcycle <laughs> helmet rather than a mask, and it took a minute for me to get used to it because, like, when I first saw him, and I was like, "Wait, isn't he going to take that off and have the mask?" But once I got used to it, it made a lot more sense. Yeah, it- like I think they've latched onto something good with that sort of. Helmet, mask, sort of whatever the fuck Cap's wearing. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Like that's kind of the ideal. It just always looks so fucking goofy on him though. They always pull it off, and I'm always happy when they pull it off of him. See, I think it looks good, and I I guess it's having seen some of those older things, and it's like looking at the mask with the little wings. And that uncomfortable reality of you know every time he takes that thing off, he's just ripped that thing to pieces. Sort of like to a lesser extent, uh, well, like Batman in the Keaton movies, he can't take his mask off without just annihilating the suit. Yeah. Which is why I think you only see him do it the one time. Yeah, at the end of Batman Returns. But, uh, and that's something, you know, it's funny, I think he looks more like Captain America without the mask than he does with it, or with the helmet. Well, he's got to have the suit on. Yeah, but even when he he doesn't, like, when he's running around in the Winter Soldier in, like, I think, like, brown jeans and, like, that, like, a white shirt and the... See, I, I disagree. The Navy. There. Well, that's because I read all the Brubaker comics and Cap was... Oh, okay. All the time, that was how he was dressed. and He rode around on a motorcycle with a shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes so sense. So when I see him, I'm, like, they're paying attention. Like, he was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it did stand out to me in the 90s film where I think we go like a solid like I don't know it feels like forever uh, of him just being out of that suit well he spends a decent time amount of time in it granted some of it he's got the trench coat over it <laughs> yeah. like it makes it all makes sense at the very least when he has the suit and when he doesn't it feels like they thought it out too that's another like little thing that I, I see like there's all these little connections that I see that they kind of improved upon in like Winter Soldier and First Avenger like mm-hmm. Winter Soldier kind of has the boomerang where uh, like I guess if you're like a deep comic fan you'll notice at the beginning of Winter Soldier he's wearing like a an outfit which I actually think is pretty pretty cool uh, but it's mm-hmm. closer to like the US agent outfit yeah um, and then he like leaves, or he gets chased out, um, and he kind of—I don't know what he does with uh, that outfit. But later on, he like 
he's like, I need a suit. And then he goes back to the Smithsonian and steals the one he the old in the one. 40s. Which is yeah. this great, has a, a symbolic significance. He's kind of returning to his roots to kind of uphold those old ideals in this new world. Uh, in the 90s film, I feel like he he comes back, he goes home, he takes off the suit, he's like, well, that was fucking crazy. And he do that shit anymore. And then he kind of realizes, it's like, oh, the Red Skull's still around. And he doesn't put it on again until the end when he's going to go fight the Red Skull again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I felt like they kind of they had him wrestling with some shit, which was a little fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that's kind of small, where it, you know, where he learns about like the Kennedy assassination, MLK, mm-hmm. RFK, uh, and he find, finds out the Red Skull was responsible for all that shit, and he has this moment where he's like watching cassette of all the stuff. He's like, oh, it's all true. And then he's he's sort of like, oh, shit, if I had stopped him back in the day when I had the chance, I could have proven Yeah. Yeah, that was one really good thing about that, is that, like, the sort of, like, feeling that in spite of all that he did do in that time, that he failed, and that it, it was just kind of this weight on his shoulders the whole time. And maybe even an uncertainty of, can I even beat this guy? Yeah. I mean, at that point, the Red Skull's got 50 years of experience under him, and he's basically been Captain and, America for like two days. And yeah, and doesn't, doesn't seem to have aged a whole lot. Because you think, you know, you think he'd be fucking Grandpa at this point. Uh, not explained, I just kind of wrote it off as, okay, it's a side effect of the serum, it slows your aging. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've covered that in the comics at a certain point. They're just like, oh, yeah, he's, he's been back, he's been unfrozen for like 70 years, but that's because of the serum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually kind of curious how they'll handle that in the MCU, or any of those characters, really. Mm-hmm. They're all going to get old. Are they going to yeah. reset? some point? Um, I'd hope they go successors. That's what you would think. And it makes sense to a certain degree with like you could... Well, I mean, you can you can move Spider-Man closer to center stage as other guys bow out. Because he's, he's... I mean, they're playing him young here. Yeah. But like, you look at Cap and it's like, well, Bucky becomes Cap and mm-hmm. Falcon becomes Cap. But they're all the same age as Chris. Yeah. Well, I want to say in the comics, they have like a younger, they have like a crop of kids who are basically (laughs) baby Avengers. And I guess that's a direction you could take it. Or you could just bring in new heroes as, well, new or just different heroes as like new and younger heroes stepping up. See, I guess that's the the thing I'm not really counting for. Because right now, we're in this... I guess I've been so caught up in it, and I haven't really realized that we're in this... Like, you and me, and everyone our age is in this, like, fantasy zone, where we get to see all this shit on screen that we never thought we'd see, and it's mm-hmm. when realize that eventually all the stories that we know as classic are going to be kind of exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe there are some new heroes that we're not paying attention to that will, like, take the place of these guys. But, yeah. but that's the... It, it kind of... It kind of goes at odds, or not 
it's not the right phrase, but these characters are all timeless. Yeah, well, that's the other thing too, and that's one of the reasons why you don't really see them age in the books. Is even though time does pass, um, like Peter Parker, you'd imagine. I don't know. He'd probably be in his like fifties or something now. Oh, he'd be older than that. Well, I mean, like you just look at the sheer number of like career changes he's had. It's like okay, he should not still look like college twenty something that he does in the books. Yeah. I mean, they basically stagnated him at like thirty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another thing I'm a little upset about is that as far as the movies go, like just when they start to get him towards the age of where he was when I sort of started reading contemporary Spider-Man, they mm-hmm. reset and send him, back, send him back to high school again. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I was glad to see them do that with Andrew Garfield, because it was... He was good. I had Yeah, and I had a little bit of nostalgia, like, oh shit, like, the lizard's at his high school, and he's fighting him at his high school, just like in the fucking comics, when Mm-hmm. And all sorts of trouble, like when the Sandman came to his high school and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was thinking about it today, and I'm a little... I'm just like, okay, so Tom Holland is probably going to be Spider-Man for, what, the next 15 years at least? Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see, maybe 10 years. Uh, yeah. So by the time he gets to the age that I am now, and they're telling stories that I would like to see now, I'll be past this age and I'll be dealing with other shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know, I just, I always liked that Spider-Man and that was one of the things I always liked about the character was that he did grow up, you know, he gained, mm-hmm. got confident, you know, his relationships yeah. with with people changed, like, mm-hmm. like JJ kind of started to become like a father figure, he married MJ, he actually became friends with Flash Thompson. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, he just felt like a character that grew up and, and changed, but I don't know. Yeah, and then one more day happened, and, uh, God, <laughs> we all we all died a little inside. Yeah. <sighs> that was pretty bad. Well, that reset a lot, because in the comic, it, it had gotten, like, really crazier than that, because remember... Uh, one of the aspects of uh, Civil War was Spider-Man revealing his identity to the public. Yeah, which was another thing that I I liked. I was like, oh shit, Like, it's like, where do we go from here? Like, That changes everything. I want to see what they're going to do with that. And then toss it out the fucking window, mm-hmm. along with the bathwater and Mary Jane in it. Yep. <laughs> I guess there's maybe there's some hope to like actually see characters uh, have their stories reach a conclusion in these movies. I'm not sure if that's the route they'll go. I kind of thought it would uh, cut off after Phase Three, but I'm hearing stuff about Phase Four and all this other shit. So maybe mm. you know maybe we'll actually get proper send-offs for these characters. Hopefully they all don't just die. I don't think they won't do that. They can't do that. I wonder if they'll... See, I don't think they'll kill him. See, we're recording this before Civil War, so we don't know. It comes out... What is this? It's Tuesday. It comes out the day after tomorrow. And this will probably be up... uh, Probably a couple days after Civil War. So you all have a different perspective on on Cap at this point with regards to Civil War. You're listening to this now. 
I don't. I kind of. It's weird when I heard the ruminations of. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm tired. <laughs> when I was mm. hearing the uh, inklings, when I was hearing murmurs, yes, they were going to do civil war. I was like, oh shit, it's going to. They're going to kill Cap, and it's going to be heartbreaking. Then I thought about it, and I was like, oh wait a second, they still have not the Avengers without Cap. They're going to do Infinity War, and they need yeah. Cap for that. They have to have Cap for that. So yeah. they're obviously not going to kill him. But I think they maybe. I have to kill. Maybe they'll do it in Infinity War. There's always the good old retcon. <laughs> yeah. The tried and true classic. I really don't. American comic tactic. I know they could kill cat if they do. See, that might take the punch out of it in Civil War if they do it there and then retcon him back. Just time travel and pull him out before he's dead and then bring him to the future. It's like, oh, wait, we had a clone. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think he's safe. At the same time, I would, I would like to see, as much as I love, like, that's the other thing, I don't want him to die, because I love Chris Evans as Cap. Yeah, he, me too. He just embodies that character so much. He's part, yeah, yeah, he, he's like, I think a long time ago, we were having a conversation about uh, why we like the Spider-Man movie, and we were like, Toby Maguire is fucking Peter Parker. <laughs> this guy is Captain America. Yeah. He just is, is, I mean, you look at Robert Downey Jr. brought something to Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. His interpretation, and he's kind of made it his own. Like he really shaped yeah. it. Really did shape kind of his whole success of the MCU, like really kickstarted it. But Chris really stepped into those shoes and filled them and kind of showed us who that character is, rather than... And he kind of just already was him. Like, yeah. I feel like there's a lot that they have in common. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know the guy. Maybe he's a fucking... Maybe he's just really good at playing nice for every camera ever. I was about to say, <laughs> maybe he's, he's acting more than we know. I <laughs> know. And, I mean, you see him, like, he's the kind of guy that does the fucking ice bucket challenge and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I, I I I think they should shoot their load at some point and and kill Steve. Um, I, I but you know do it right. I just think there's a potential for it to be heartbreaking and memorable mm-hmm. uh, with this character that we've grown, at least I've grown super attached to. Mm-hmm. To me, he feels like really. I know people. A lot of people would say Iron Man, but for me, Cap is like. The Rock of the Avengers. He's like he's definitely the heart of the MCU. Well, yeah. Well, one one of these guys is the backbone, and the other is the heart. And if they do Civil War right, then them fighting will be heartbreaking. Yeah. And I'm hearing that they did. Kojima-san said it's a masterpiece. I'm trying to stay away, but I've seen little snippets and shit of you know that's fucking amazing. You know, I saw the IMDb rating too. It's high. Yeah. Okay, that's good. We talked about all the characters in the 90s movies. We didn't talk about the president! Mr. President! <laughs> Thumbs up! <laughs> what did you think of that whole fucking arc? I thought it was weird. All that guy wanted to be was the president. 
and he became. And he was he was he was so pumped to be living in the same area as the president that he had insomnia. <laughs> Little boy was up at four in the morning, yeah. hiked over to the White House to take some pictures. Yeah. That guy fucking loved America. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did like that. <laughs> Brief instance of him and Cap geeking out over each other, and you hear "Gee whiz!" <laughs> yeah, Cap actually says "Holy mackerel" early on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of they were they were kind of adorable together. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, director's name was Albert Pune. You know, I guess this film was kind of in development hell for a while. Well, it was uh, set to be released in summer, I think summer of 1990, mm-hmm. and didn't see any sort of release till 92, which included an immensely limited theater theatrical. Case in point, the uh, what they got from the box office of that thing was ten thousand, <laughs> a little over ten thousand. Yeah, they got a, felt limited. They got like a minor European release. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, and try and divorce yourself from what was on screen. But do you agree with this, uh, that Captain America is the finest script ever? Um, the 1990s? Yeah. This guy, Ronnie Cox, apparently said this. He said, uh, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. But he's in a, he says, I guess somehow he read this script. And he said, today, he said, Captain America remains to this day the finest script I have ever read. How those guys messed that film up, I will never know. Mm. I don't know. I guess I'd have to see what was on the script. I'd have to see if there was like anything that got left out or something. Well, I mean, you could kind of... That's, that kind of informed my, my, my viewings of this film after I read it. Where I was kind of like... You kind of have to divorce yourself from how they've read the script and what's on screen and think about what is happening. Shit, like him. Well, I mean, there's him coming. You know, back. there was the big moments. Yeah, like like him coming back, just the sort of like unease and sadness, yeah. and the weight of his eventual confrontation with Red Skull. Like, there's some, you know, there's there's some choice cuts in there yeah. for sure. But then there's also uh, Captain America on a bicycle, right? And that in the script might have just been chase scene. And and the fact that the first half hour is a whole movie in Fast Forward. <laughs> yeah, see, actually, that first half hour is that, you know, the scene where he's, before he leaves and he's talking to his mother and she's like, oh, come back safe, you know, your father's dead and all this. It's kind of like, she kind of sells it, but it's just shot kind of strange and, yeah, you know, and the music's not great. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see... Stuff with the Red Skull, like the boomerang of Cap getting the recording and playing it for him. It's not executed super effectively, but it is a little like, oh shit, Like that's pretty dark. I saw his whole family murdered in front of him as a child. Well, yeah, and there's even like the turn, like, talk about boomerangs, a real quick one when he's like, yeah, I'm still going to blow this island up, but now I'm putting us out of our misery. Yeah. Versus... Ha ha ha! I'm the cackling villain. Yeah, I'm gonna control the like, president. Yeah, like a lot changed in thirty seconds. <laughs> well, again, a lot changed, culminating in nothing changing. But like I said, it feels like there's 
something missing there. Like there's there's a lot of good kind of in there, but it, I just I just don't know how do you fix it. Well, I mean, you fix it with First Avenger. You look at a lot of well, yeah, and Winter Soldier. A lot of those elements are are in there. Yeah, well, yeah, they even kept the element of uh, Red Skull and Cap basically having the same thing. I think originally Red Skull doesn't have that. There's a plot point later, like down the line, where his brain gets put into a clone of Cap. <laughs> and they were kind of like, yeah, this is a good idea, but let's remove some of the more comic booky stuff. Yeah. Actually, we saw it, his origin in the cartoon. He's a... Uh... <laughs> you remember his origin? Well, yeah, there was something. There was something. There's something so refreshing about the villains in that. In that they are unabashedly, undeniably, and proudly evil. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the old, uh, like the older X Men cartoons and the comics where it's the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants <laughs> versus the Mutant Brotherhood. Yeah. And like, like Red Skull's <laughs> just going on about how he is just this master of evil and. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the like cord shit I did, I did because I'm awesome. And I mean, it it all stretches back to that anti-Nazi propaganda. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, his ending was almost kind of I don't want to say tragic in the in the cartoon, but it's like he was a. Do you remember it? Mm, not really. He was <laughs> he was like a servant of like an uh, a big time. Oh officer. yeah. And uh, he, yeah, someone failed, and the and the officer was like, "You fucking idiot! Like, I could take this fucking bellboy and make him a master of evil." And then mm-hmm. he does. Yeah, <laughs> gives him a. It's a mask actually that he wears. Yeah, yeah. I think I want to say in it was either his appearance in Spider-Man or just another cartoon somewhere. They combine the element of another villain who shows up, uh, Baron Zemo, where uh, his mask is like stuck to him <laughs> through some like crazy magical adhesive. They kind of combine the two of them and had that be Red Skull's origin in some cartoon. I don't remember which one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you gotta wonder if they're gonna stick with that origin in Civil War. Is Baron Zemo gonna be in there? Yeah. Which we saw, which I thought was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Which is actually similar to the origin of Mailbox Jones. <laughs> uh, so what happened to Baron Zemo is, apparently Baron Zemo was a master of glue. Uh, he yeah. was developing a super... It's super adhesive. A super adhesive for the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. Uh, for use... I don't know why or how. But he was doing it... Oh, yeah. <laughs> You don't really have to construct stuff. You can just stick shit together. Yeah, I guess. And then, uh, well, I mean, think about that for repairs. Yeah, and uh, Cap just shows up and fucks his whole shit up. Mm-hmm. Throws the shield. <laughs> and he wore a mask to protect his identity. And Cap fucked him up and got some glue on it. Well, now he can take it off. Flash forward twenty years later, still ain't been able to get it off. So yeah, uh, we did see Baron Zemo in Voltron. Oh, really? Yeah. He's just kind of there in the beginning, like, talking. It's Daniel Brühl, the little shit kicker from uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's great. They didn't really do much with him. I think they may have, like, done an explosion or something to, like, set up. Oh, you know. 
the Avengers were there, and I got exploded, and my face is fucked up, so now I gotta wear a mask. But apparently he's he's a have a thing to do in Civil War. Mm-hmm. Apparently Val Kilmer was also considered for a cap in this '90s film. I guess he wasn't their Huckleberry. <laughs> no, decided to do the Doors instead. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. The Doors. Yeah. The Jim Morrison nope. biopic. Uh, no. I did not. <laughs> I guess Arnold was considered as well. Hmm. Lost with because of his accent. Oh, shit, Daniel. Okay, I was trying to remember where I saw Daniel Gruel, and he was in Rush. Oh, really? Playing the playing Thor's rival. Oh, interesting. He was good. He was good as shit in that. <laughs> uh, so the producers considered giving getting two different actors for Cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre... Formula and after. Oh, uh, yeah, it, I imagine that's what you'd have had to do prior to the special effects. Yeah, which I actually, they're a little janky in First Avenger, but they, they did a decent job, I think. But, uh, <laughs> uh, what did you think of their workaround? Oh, uh, what do you, I didn't, what do you mean workaround? Well, they just cast Matt Salinger and they kind of had him, like, walk like an idiot. Like, <laughs> I didn't really notice. Oh, wait, no, 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 yeah, he did. He had, like, a... Rather than be, uh... Yeah, I guess that works. They kind of made him, like, lame. Yeah, rather than uh, be, like, small, he, he had, like, a prior condition. Yeah. And they kind of try to do... Some... That, that that got healed. Yeah, they try yeah. to do a little, like, trick photography when he's, like, to, like, make it seem like his muscles are growing, but it mm-hmm. doesn't really work. I thought it was a, a nice little take of I mean, it. Yeah, reminded me of it worked. Reminded me of Bradley Cooper on a uh, on Broadway. He he did Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's videos of it you can watch where he they, they do this thing where at the beginning of the show there's like a, a fucking like a carnival barker or something describing what's wrong with the Elephant Man and Bradley's kind of standing there and as he's describing what's wrong with him he like physically like changes the way he's standing and he just kind of does it physically. Mm-hmm. They don't do any makeup on him. So, I don't know, I mean that. <sighs> Let's see. <laughs> oh, yeah. The uh, plastic ears. Did you notice those? Mm, no. The ears on uh, his suit were made of plastic. Because <laughs> I guess they, when they had it, they had holes, but they chafed. Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Albert Shapune says they basically had no money at the bank at some points. Uh, that's right. Michael Winner was attached to be director in 86. Wanted mm. Brando for the Red Skull. Brando? Mm. Yeah. You know they should have, you know they should get to play him? Should have got to play him? Or really anyone, just because I like this guy. Um, Rudger Hauer. Ah, Rudger Hauer. <laughs> I like Rucker Hauer. We'll see. I like him because he, he, regardless of what role you give him, he puts everything in it. Yeah. He's great. Uh, Michael Winner was actually the director of Death Wish. Hmm. So, the director of Death Wish almost did the, the 90s cat movie. Not quite. That's bizarre. It is. Now, the director of Death Wish doing a Punisher movie is a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I like the Thomas Jane film. It's not bad. It's pretty good. I think that's like when they were finally kind of getting getting it right. This is all pre-MCU stuff. The game has changed now. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all kids 
don't know what you got now. You're growing up with this shit. Yeah. I had to. I used to look out the window when I was a little boy. <laughs> you know, I was riding in cars, and I would try and picture what a real life Spider-Man would look like swinging around out there. Yeah. Or what the fucking Silver Surfer or Iceman or anybody? What would they look like if they were like traveling down this highway? Mm-hmm. And now it's like you pop in the DVD and look at it. Yeah. And you get to pick. It's not like there's like one good one out there. No. What would Captain America look like if he was fighting? Yeah. It? It's like you want to see him fight during the war. Or do you want to see him fight present day, or do you want to see him fight alongside other superheroes? Take yeah. your pick. I mean, even just the look, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, how could you make Captain America look cool in real life? Mm-hmm. Go pop it like that. That's one of the reasons, like, Avengers, people love to dick ride the first Avengers movie. And it's good. I like it. Um, I like it, too. It's definitely, you look at that. When I watch it, I'm still just blown away. Like, how did they? I'm, it still blows my mind. And I have, similar with Age of Ultron, I think it's sort of, Worn out at this point, uh, it really wore me out. Batman vs Superman, I was just like, okay, we've gone too far, mm-hmm. gone too far. So I'm gonna tone it back and tell mm-hmm. some stories. <laughs> but uh, you know, everyone talks about that famous uh, the glory shot. You know, the mm-hmm. shot where it's traveling around the city and you see all the heroes fighting. It's just. Mm-hmm. I would hope that future generations would look back at this. Uh, as part of film history, uh, because yeah, it, it and realize, you know, there might be a time where that's not um, as amazing, but mm-hmm. look at it through our eyes. We we looked at this on the page for for twenty mm-hmm. yeah. years, uh, and some people have been looking at it on the page for you know, longer than that for seventy years. You know, the people who made it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really magic. They really captured it. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you know, it's doing it good when it kind of like emboldens you the way you see characters react to them in the comic books. Like you come out of those movies pumped. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I can just go. I could. I could do another podcast worth of content on just how much I love these movies. Yeah. How much I love superheroes being able... Well, one, superheroes getting to be superheroes, because I came up in the age of the anti-hero and actually wasn't all that into it. And, you know, like, everyone goes on about, oh, yeah, Shades of Grey or outright villain protagonists. We got Breaking Bad. We got where Walking Dead is right now. You're made more uncomfortable by your protagonist than... (laughs) Anybody else, and that's good. But you know, it, it, it's nice to get away from that. It is. Uh, I think we're starting to, the landscape. The landscape of media is settling into a more even keel as we realize that there's audiences for everything. You know. Yeah, and uh, various means of content, and a whole lot of people wanting to create it. Yeah, like one of the. I think one of the most underrated films of last year was Tomorrowland. Um, I saw it and I really liked it. And it was a blip and I don't think I heard anybody say a single goddamn thing about that movie. Um, but it actually, it's, it's a very hopeful movie. The character's really interesting. I I had a great time. But it, it, it actually specifically 
makes points about that, where it's talking about how... <laughs> I think it makes a point about how humanity and people are kind of obsessed with the, this apocalyptic notion, so much so that they actually caused it or invited it or were comfortable with it or something like that. And this was... And it was... At the time when I saw it, it was hot on the heels of Fury Road. It came out a few months later, and I was like, oh, that's kind of... Which is the most apocalyptic yeah. apocalypse. So I was like, wow, they're taking a real shot here. I guess what we're, what we're seeing is that there's something for everybody, and that's something that I'm glad to see is happening now with the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. You're getting so many different genres, like Ant-Man was a heist film. Doctor Strange looks like it's going to be fucking mind-bending, supernatural thriller. Yeah. Cap is like a political thriller. You know, it's even like they switch genres between the first and second movies with Cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like uh, Iron Man's got that whole comedic element to it. Yeah. Thor is Thor's kind of like this it's basically sci fantasy. Yeah, it's like fucking Shakespeare. Was, I mean, they had Kenneth Branagh direct Thor. Yeah. Same. You know, I actually don't hear that many people complaining about I mean, you hear it you hear people like, oh, superhero movies, there's so many, like... Uh, yeah. But... And they can eat, and, well, maybe I shouldn't, because that may be some of our audience, <laughs> but all I want to do is tell them to eat a bag of dicks. I mean, if they're listening to... We're, like, two hours in on a podcast about Captain America. I don't think they're going to be listening to this. Well, you know, they might be uh, writing their um, 14-page treatise on how we're a bunch of assholes and everything they, everything <laughs> we say is wrong. Ah, uh, yes, the think piece. Basically, there's something for everybody in these movies, and I've become I'm really happy with where they've taken Cap. It's helped me understand the character more through these mm-hmm. movies. Um, as someone who doesn't read that many comics anymore because of lack of funds and time, yeah. but I, you know, there are things that stick out to me. Like, I was so excited for Winter Soldier, and, it, and it's one of my favorite films ever. I said that at the beginning of the show. I'm glad that they're realizing that they have to branch out to different genres to sort of, if they want to keep building this universe out. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that's, that's also what the Marvel comics were. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you could say the same about DC too, is I was reading, what was it? I got the, Via libraries, I finally managed to track down uh, uh, a specific story which involved uh, Doctor Strange teaming up with Doctor Doom, which might be something interesting for them to tackle in uh, the MCU. But um, as sort of a bonus, you had some older comics featuring both Strange and Doom, and even one with Namor. And what stood out to me is like looking at them, one, the artwork was amazing, but uh, two, that you know, these didn't feel like pieces of the MCU whole. These felt like their own worlds, their own stories, their own films. And, you know, I like that that's what they're trying to do with this, but also they're trying to have it both ways, basically, yeah. where you have these completely different experiences, but then you get to see them all come together, yeah. interact, and, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, I kind of scratched my head a little bit when, I think Joss Whedon is just kind of being Joss Whedon when he says this, but he's like, I think he was saying that he's like burnt out, of, you know, by having to follow the like the Marvel style guide as far as movies go. I I think some of that was because he he actually was making those movies like the Avengers, mm-hmm. like 
all of these pieces have to fit together and need to look mm-hmm. a certain way. Uh, yeah. He doesn't have as much leeway with like the Avengers as he would if he were just doing like a solo cat film, mm-hmm. like the Russo brothers did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Doctor Strange looks like a totally different beast. I'm really pumped for that. Yeah, which is good. Which will be not, which will be awesome. Yeah, I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've definitely been talking for a while. Yeah. yeah. Anything you want to say about Cap or the MCU? Um, Cap or the MCU? No, I mean, I'm looking forward to more. Yeah, I know. Captain America. When he throws his mighty shield. <laughs> Thumbs up, soldier. Yeah. Got any parting words? Uh, not really. Oh, wait. No. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom, you missed a prime opportunity to combine the characters of Guile and Captain America and have, like, a point where Guile is Captain America. <laughs> He'd be a very different Cap. <laughs> But, uh, no, I guess nothing noteworthy that hasn't already been said. Yeah, okay. Uh, see you next month. We might be sticking around in some war territory. Uh, uh I'm not quite sure yet. Till next time. There's a ball, babe! Eat chili fries! With the lizard man? <laughs> Tune in next, uh, month. Thanks for listening. I, I don't know who, like, the ten of you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you. Who, like, the... Thank you. Who the person is in, like... I, where was it? There's someone, to, like, north. In Northern America. That's mm-hmm. who that I keep seeing plays from. It's like, it's not Oregon, it's not Seattle. Because that'd be you. That would be me. I forget who it is or where it is, but... Thank you. I don't know. We love you. I know. It's weird because people, I don't know who the fuck listens to this. I got posted it. Sometimes people comment or, or like, but... I don't know who the fuck they are. Talk to us, please. Let us know who you are. Oh, that's right. You can talk... We want to be your friend. I'm on Twitter, at Hyper90s. Uh, spell at 90s. Uh, this is my show. I'm also on another show with a guy who's not here. Both me and Jeff Cooper's are on it. It's a, it's a show about video games called uh, Not Another Gaming Podcast Resurrection, Not Another Gaming Podcast Again. Uh, and you can find that on KaylistenRadio.com, KaylistenRadio on Twitter, KaylistenRadio on Facebook, KaylistenRadio on iTunes, KaylistenRadio on Android, Hey Listen Radio up your ass. Hey, listen hey radio you forgot one. On Google Play. There you go. Uh, and uh, we got another show that this gentleman here hosts. How do you feel about Chinese cartoons? How do you feel about Chinese cartoons from Japan? Well, that's what I talk about with uh, this uh, this guy here. And uh, fearless leader who's out making big moves. Um, 
Yeah, the old Taku connection. Uh, find it at the same place as uh, everything else. Uh, if you wanted to talk with me directly and get your uh, connection membership again directly, you can find me at Old Taku Connect on Twitter. We should do a membership thing like uh, like the Marvel. Remember back in the day they had that? Send you a decoder ring. Oh, yeah. Send you an old Taku decoder ring. Fuck yeah. And a hyper 90s cock ring. <laughs> and a catalog, but it's not for old Taku merchandise. It's just like a <laughs> it's magazine for full of pictures of uh, it, <laughs> office ladies. It's, uh, it's the Sears catalog, but with Joe's face over everybody. <laughs> oh, Jesus. For all the models. Uh no, 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 it's it's a porno mag, but Joe's face over all the naughty bits. <laughs> He's got that mustache. Yep. Um, oh, news desk. Black Widow tops fan poll for next Avengers standalone movie. That's cool. David Hayter's been trying to write that one for like 15 years now. <laughs> I want to see a spy movie with uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye. Yeah. That'd be a good... You know, I've been saying that I wanted a Hawkeye standalone. Uh, after Age of Ultron, I think they could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love Jeremy Renner. Yeah, he's good. And he can he can do the action. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. He could do some gritty-ass shit yeah. with Hawkeye. Yeah. That would be tight. Okay. Uh... Bye! Tune in next month when we put a little eggnog in your face. curious as to like what they're gonna be doing with the Inhumans after all this shit. Mm, that's right, they pushed Inhumans back. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is a, a theory video that I read the other day, and uh, I thought I was like, ah, this is just fucking fan speculation bullshit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and this guy was basically insinuating that some people at either Fox or Marvel or both are or post oh a sh- creating a shared universe yeah well somebody some woman who worked who was like a producer posted something somebody said something somewhere and she responded she was like I can't say anything but what we have coming down the pipeline is going to blow your mind mm-hmm. uh, so you know they worked out their, their deal with Sony you know if they got Daredevil back they might mm-hmm. they were saying that they might fold in this guy was speculating that they might actually be able to fold the X-Men in. Uh, uh, I wonder how you do that. I mean, I guess you gotta you got to create some sort of event since there are already two established worlds. Well, I've been wondering about the X-Men a lot. This is a little off topic, but the Wolverine's, like, Hugh Jackman's gone. He's leaving. After... 
This one. You mean? Uh, well, he's gonna be. He's gonna show up in. I guess. Um, Apocalypse. Yeah. Um. And. He uh, and he has one more movie left, and then he's done. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to really hope that they would be able to do one more, like really good one. Now that they did the reset, you know, one more big cast with like Gene and Cyclops and and Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool. They kind of they did that a little bit with Days of Future Past, I guess. It almost doesn't count in my brain. Well, yeah, that uh, we we know what that one was about. It was good, but uh, yeah, yeah, that one had a purpose. Let's just say, yeah. Well, it reset everything in it from X Men Three. You brought back Cyclops, so I'd I'd love to see another story there, but I don't know. So they're also they're kind of they've got a little bit of a head start like pre-MCU, and they've been going mm-hmm. strong. They're, I want to say they're the only thing, like, anywhere near on par, just in regards to, like, yeah. scope. Yeah, so they're kind of where the MCU will be at in, like, 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of raises those questions where it's like, where do they go? Is the future the... Uh, the um, what the fuck is his name? Uh, for James McAvoy. Is James mm-hmm. McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, are they the future of the X-Men franchise? Uh, I don't know. Oh, they're good. Yeah. They're definitely tearing ass all over the screen <laughs> anytime they're on it. Yeah. So it's like, if there is a deal, like, would they, I mean, obviously, they're going to do the Wolverine movie, and but then, how would they... They would have to recast and like end those movies probably because you know Marvel really likes having their control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be anywhere near as into it if it's like this new thing. I mean, I mean, you're already going to have mutants coming clear out of nowhere when you've already like you're already kind of dancing around every instance of mutants in. <laughs> The MCU, yeah. where it's like, hey, okay, they're a, they're a whatever, yeah. or this happened, or... I mean... Like, really, I think the better way to do it, you want to bring in as much of the existing people as possible. You just have some sort of event, some sort of worlds collide type thing. Yeah, didn't have And to you, do that, you do that for multiple reasons. Um, two big storylines here. Yeah. One is the Phoenix, because let's be really, really real. The real reason why you can't do the Phoenix justice in the X-Men movies is because uh, the Phoenix involves space elements. Mm-hmm. Like, you need, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor and all the, the elements present in their movie to be able to factor well, they could, in. A- they could do it without, like, it's all the Shi'ar stuff. Nobody's touched that, like the Shi'ar Empire. Well, no, it's, well, you, yeah, but then you have to, like, okay, here's this thing, it's all humans and mutants, it's all predominantly relegated to, now there's space. Mm-hmm. Just there's space, and there's aliens, and there's a whole sci-fi element going on here, and there's, like, a god phoenix out there. Yeah. 
Whereas if you, you know, have the two worlds connect, you've got all that's been established in the MCU kind of factoring in, and it's like, okay, here's this whole space element that now exists here. Now, what happens when these elements cross over with mutants? Yeah, it's like they're all getting old, and there's already two Quicksilvers now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But, you know, the other story here is literally X-Men versus Avengers, which is a fairly fairly recent one in the comics. Yeah. But that's a, another thing. It's like, how do you reconcile that? Like, do you just mash them together and say, oh, yeah, mutants have been a thing? Because I can't imagine... Well, like, that's why I said you literally have the worlds collide. You literally have an event occur which brings the two together. Yeah. Because you can't really just say... You have a crisis on infinite Marvel You can't Earth. really just say, oh, now there are mutants appearing, and then have people be yeah. like, we have to, we hate these things. It's like, wait, like these things we've already been complaining about? No, completely different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're and if you're going to, like... I think they could do it without mashing, like, reintroduce, start introducing people, you know... Like, you've probably slowly introduced, like, shit like the Morlocks. Like, shit that would actually freak people out. Yeah. On the streets. I don't know. I'm kind of... I'm kind of... Like, if you're going to, like, reimagine all of these characters into the MCU, I'd rather they still be... You still have the separate entity of X-Men. Rather than, okay, we're closing this so you can you can get our version of it. Yeah. I know. It's just like I was kind of, I was kind of happy. I'd, I'd rather they be separate entities if that's the only way to do I it. I think they do have to mash them together, though. If, it, if there's a deal at all, which I kind of doubt, because they're still Fox is still making a ton of money off of those X Men films. They're still profitable. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for I'm fucking pumped for Apocalypse. Yeah, me too. There's no reason, no reason for them to end that shit at all and give it to Marvel. I mean, especially the, the well, they're, they've they've worked around the whole aspect of the the. Actors getting older with the whole time thing. We've got new versions of everybody, but, you know. So, you know, we've, we've got a cast we can go a lot further with now. Yeah. So, not. I mean, I do want to see what they do with uh, the next movie. I want to see, okay, okay, this is my era. Here's the 90s. What are you doing with this? <laughs> see, that's when it gets ridiculous, because then it's like, oh, James McAvoy... You're still, like, 35. In, like, 10 years, you're going to jump from, like, 35 to fucking, like, 70. <laughs> X-Men came out in 2001. Um, yeah, but, w- wait. <laughs> they're already kind of pushing it. Like, he was real young in the 80s. He should be around 40 or 50 in the 80s. Oh, the makeup. <laughs> yeah, it's, just they, they just need to get to work on that makeup. It looks like they're not doing it for this movie. He should let's see if he's like let's say he's like twenty five in first class, and that's like mm-hmm. nineteen sixty four. So sixty four, seventy four, eighty four. He should be around. He should be around forty five in the eighties. Mm-hmm. We'll say it's early eighties. He should be yeah forties. Like, you got that shot of him, like, bald at the end of the first trailer. Maybe you should have led with that. Yeah. Rather than still having him be pretty-ass pretty boy. Yeah, so... Like, like give, give Magneto the iconic white hair now. 
Now's a good time. Or at least have it start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I can look past that. I can look past that because Apocalypse looks fucking sick. I will, too. Oscar Isaac. Boy. He's there. And he's big. Yeah, he's big. <laughs> it's just they got it. That's the thing. It's like I look at this and it's like they, they fucking got it. Like the only thing they don't. Well, I won't say they don't get. Maybe they don't get. I mean, what is Olivia Munn, really? <laughs> like, what is she? I, I don't. Is she just like a white chick, or...? Might as well be. Because, <laughs> uh... I mean, technically, Psylocke is a white woman, but, like, what? if you're... Like, well, if you're skipping the whole body swap thing... There's a body swap? There's a body swap. Huh. Yeah. Well, 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 I mean, you don't know this looking at the comic books, but she's supposed to speak with a British accent. Her brother is Captain Britain. Huh. So yeah, there was like two, two, I don't know, assassins or two something, Psylocke, and I can't remember the name of the other chick. I and uh, Spiral, that, that crazy Shiva-looking bitch. That's, what, that's what disappointed me. Like As soon as I saw Olivia Munn as Psylocke, I was just like, well, I guess we're getting nothing out of Psylocke. She's gonna be a throwaway character. <laughs> well, I was a little disappointed that she wasn't Asian because, like, she is Asian. She is. I mean, she looks she Asian. She looks Chinese. She. Wait, wait, Olivia Munn. Yeah, Olivia Munn. She's Asian. She. she, she I mean, she's the most Euro, Eurasian ass. Euro, she, she looks like a white well, woman. She's probably half. She doesn't look white. She looked white to me. <laughs> Let's see. Point is, is like uh, when it came to comic book characters, Psylocke was like the hottest thing in existence to me. She's Vietnamese and white. Ah. Um. Yeah, she's. I don't know. I. She's definitely. You know, there's that. They still have to go with a half. Yeah. There's that. That. You know how people are. It gets. It used to get thrown around a lot more. Before, where people were like, oh, you know, unfairly with like Morgan Webb, where she's not a real nerd. Like Morgan Webb is obviously <laughs> like a very, obviously like a very intelligent, yeah. intelligent, hardworking nerd journalist woman, mm-hmm. uh, and that was unfair. But with Olivia Munn, she's actually knows absolutely nothing about. Yeah, no, she's actually not into it. Yeah, actually, but I, they were trying to shove her down everyone's throats, and she. She, like, used Attack of the Show as a stepping point yeah. for her career. Exactly. <laughs> Which, whatever. Like, it's rough out there, but I still, I really don't like that. Uh, and if anybody doesn't, I like, I know it's true. Like, I've met people in the industry. I, I met this woman once who was like, yeah, I interviewed her for my show once, and her, like, handlers came out to me beforehand and were like, don't ask her any questions about video games because she doesn't like you're not allowed to yeah so yeah and she's like yeah, she's just there for eye candy she's not she doesn't mm-hmm. have very much acting credits uh, she was in Mordecai <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that was not a big role mm-hmm. uh, so yeah but what really bums me out is that I think she's kind of like they're using the four horsemen as like throwaways, um, and I'm kind of pissed that they put Storm in there. 
I'm interested in that is how she joins. I am too, but I'm just we don't because we don't really get get any sort of origin for her in the movies prior. We don't really get shit from Storm. Yeah, and I want like good Storm, but like when I see it, like oh, she's gonna be brainwashed for probably half the movie. So I hope mm-hmm. they do her justice in this one. Well, I mean, let's let's be real. They just wanted to give us a. Uh like eighties punker storm. I know. For the eighties movie. I know. But I mean I'm interested. I think she's a good pick for a horseman. Because she is fuck all powerful. She is. And I, and I love eighties punk storm. That's like yeah. goddess. Ah. She's so tight. But at the same time it's like can we please get to know Storm a little bit? I mean I'm hoping for that she hasn't uh, given anything to do. They completely wasted Halle Berry. They, they did. They really did. She's just kind of there. Yeah. It's 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 this weird thing, and I, I see it happen. I saw it happen uh, with uh, a character in The Walking Dead, a black guy, where it's like they find this way to establish that they're important, have them weigh in on things, and overall be a presence mm. without being a presence to the audience. Yeah. They're a presence to the team, to the people in the story, just not to us. Yeah, yeah it sucks. I mean, <sighs> she had a couple moments with Nightcrawler next to you, but mm-hmm. really, they, yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah. This is too bad. Halle Berry is such a great actress. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even know what the fuck they were doing with it. Like they, she had, they really she had the accent in the first movie, and then they dropped it afterwards. But you know, if they they mash the, the universes together. Apparently, I don't know if I didn't know this or forgot about it, but I guess she's married to Ch- T'Challa. Yeah. Yeah. But I, they probably won't do that. <laughs> they should. They're not gonna. I don't know. We'll see if they work. If they work at a deal where they can get X Men, they can get it all collected. Give us Carl Urban as Reed Richards. Fuck yeah! yeah. <laughs> That'd be tight. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we're probably gonna chop the X Men talk and like shove it after the credits or something. Okay. But uh, 